Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. From God's Word, I love to just unpack the Word of God and try to make it as practical as possible for every one of us to be able to walk out that door and take some of the principles and lessons we learn from God's Word and apply it to our life. You know, it's one thing to have Bible knowledge. It's something else to be able to take that knowledge and make it applicable to us today. Because when we leave here, I want you to be able to take some of the things that I teach from God's Word and apply it to your life and live by it. I mean, God's Word is supposed to be so much more than just in our head. It's supposed to get into our heart. And as it gets into our heart, then it comes out in our actions and the way we live our lives. So we've been unpacking the Nehemiah Journal. In Nehemiah chapter 6 is where we're going to be today. The title of my message today is Operation Intimidation uh, because there were some intentional attacks that were coming upon Nehemiah as he was carrying out his mission. Now, just for review... To try to get us in the right moment here, uh, as as a review, Nehemiah was a Jew, okay? He was a cupbearer for the king. Now, what's the role of a cupbearer? He will taste everything before he gives it to the king. So if there's there's poison in it, then he will die before the king dies, okay? So he would taste or eat or drink or take a sampling of everything before the king would indulge in his meals. The cupbearer would be sure that there was no poison in it. Well, how do you know if there wasn't any poison in it? If he's still vertical, it's good, right? If he passes out and sick and dies, obviously there's poison in it. So that was his job. Now, he was a Jew. Was Nehemiah born in Jerusalem? No. Okay, he was born in exile. Okay, they're, they're out in exile. Uh, so he had never even seen his homeland, Jerusalem. Now, what was the state of Jerusalem at this time when Nehemiah is the king's cupbearer? The state of Jerusalem, they're devastated. The walls are destroyed. The morale of the people is horrendous. I mean, they're at an all-time low for the people of Jerusalem. Nehemiah hears about this. His heart is burdened, and he feels God calling him on this mission. Now, was Nehemiah a prophet? No. Was Was he an ordained minister? No. He was just a layperson. He had a very good government job, if you will. He's second in line not to be the king, but he's the king's right-hand man. Okay, so everywhere the king goes, Nehemiah's there with him. Do you think he has a pretty good career? He does until one day he drinks poison, then it's over. But I guess the risk is or the reward is worth the risk. Right. So he has a great government job, but he realized God's calling him to something greater than that. Right. And so he's going back to rebuild the wall. So he goes to the king and he's sad before the king. If you remember the scripture, we've been teaching through this out of Nehemiah. And the king asked, Nehemiah, why are you sad? And you're not sick. Why why is your countenance so down? He shares with him about Jerusalem. Then he asked the king for two things. Do you remember what they were? What did he ask the king for, number one? He asked for a letter of what? Of safety and travel. Because he's going to travel back to Jerusalem. Now, it's over a thousand miles that he's going to travel back to Jerusalem. 
So it's going to take him. He, listen, he's not going to get on Southwest Airlines and just plop over there that afternoon. Okay. Right. The Metrolink doesn't run in that day. Okay. So it's going to take him about two months to travel through all these different territories. So he needed a letter to all the governors from the king that he could have safety in passage going back to Jerusalem. That's letter number one. What was the other letter he needed? He needed another letter to the building supply guy, right? To the guy in charge of all the lumber, all the material. He said, I need a letter. I need you, king, to fund, if you will, the rebuilding of the walls. So I need material to rebuild all of the walls around Jerusalem. So the king granted him that. One more thing he asked for in that letter to the building supply guy. He said, I also need material to build myself and my family a house. So here's, here's a sidebar sermon, and I've preached a sermon on this before from that particular passage of Scripture, and I don't have time to unpack it today. But in carrying out your mission, and whatever your mission is, in your career, path, whatever it is, be sure, men especially look at me, be sure you take care of your family. I mean, Nehemiah took care of his family. We need a place to live, right? I'm going to go do this, but i got to know my family's taken care of. So one of the things he did, he said, I need material to rebuild the wall, but I also need material to build myself a house so we have a place to stay, okay? So that was one of the things. So he goes back to Jerusalem. As soon as he gets there, he's in Jerusalem. He's there for three or four days, and he gets up in the middle of the night, and he does what? He goes and gets on his animal, the Scripture says, his horse or stallion or donkey, whatever it was he got on, and he went riding around the walls of Jerusalem that are, that are crumbled. And he's evaluating, he's processing uh, exactly what he's going to do whenever he kicks this thing off, okay? Then he shares with a few of them this very motivational speech in just a few words, and they all say, hey, we're behind you, and he starts. Now, he starts this great endeavor. As he's starting this great endeavor to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and to rebuild the morale of the people, the attacks come. The attacks come from Samballot. The, the attacks come from uh, Gresham. The attacks come from those who do not want him to rebuild the walls or rebuild the morale of the people. These are individuals that oppose the mission that he's on. Now let's bring that into the 21st century. Have you ever ran across those individuals that may bring some type of opposition or hindrance to the mission that you're on? Now, I'm not talking about just churchy stuff. I'm talking about the mission. You see, God has all of us where we are for a reason. Now, everybody can't be a pastor, right? I understand that. But God has you where you are serving in your career field for a reason. And we need to get a hold of the mission that God is giving us. And that's what we get up and do every day. So as we're doing that mission, and hopefully we're doing it, we call it God's work, His work, His way for His glory. Hopefully we're doing that. Even if you're in the Air Force, you can do God's work His way for His glory. Even if you're a, a nurse, you can do God's work for His way for His, His glory, right? I mean, if you're a mailman, God's work His way for His glory. It doesn't matter what your career is. We can do everything for the glory of God, right? Amen. And we can be aware of how God can use us in that particular role. I know for many years Anita's worked at, at Robert Scott School for the school system, okay? So whatever job we have, that's totally irrelevant. The per- what we got to get a hold of is, in doing that job, we can do it for the glory of God, and we need to discover what God's will is for us in doing that job, and that we want to do it His way, His work, for His glory, okay? So, here we see Nehemiah now is back rebuilding the walls. And in doing that, in carrying out that mission, he had some opposition. 
He had the attacks that came from the outside. Have you ever had attacks that come from the outside and trying to fulfill your mission? Have you ever had those people that tried to oppose you or stop you in doing what you're doing or, or make it difficult or hinder you or be dream busters and try to destroy you and bring you down while they try to build themselves up? Right? We've all probably experienced that to some degree in whatever career field we're in. Nehemiah had the same experience. In Nehemiah chapter 4, he had the attacks from the outside, from Samballot and Gresham and, and those that were, did not want him to fulfill the, the vision or the mission. The second thing, we also see there are attacks from within, right? We unpacked that last week out of Nehemiah chapter 5. And that, those are the attacks from within the organization. It's often been said, if Satan cannot defeat the church from the outside, he'll join it, right? A little tongue-in-cheek, you can laugh right there a little bit, but really that's kind of what happens. If he can't, if he can't defeat the church from the persecution from the outside, then the next step is to get involved and join it and try to destroy it from within. Same thing happened to Nehemiah in Nehemiah chapter 5. Neither one of those strategies stopped Nehemiah from the work. He stayed focused. He had tremendous discernment. Discernment and focus is the theme of Nehemiah's life. And we're going to see it revealed here in Nehemiah chapter 6. So now the attacks, the strategy is Operation Intimidation. The attacks from the outside didn't work. The attacks from within did not work. So now let's try this strategy. Let's try to intimidate Nehemiah and get him off the wall so he stops rebuilding the wall and stops rebuilding the morale of the people of Jerusalem. Okay? That's where we are now in Nehemiah chapter 6. That's from Nehemiah chapter 1 all the way to chapter 6, a little overview of what's taking place. Okay? So let's pick up here in Nehemiah chapter number 6. And let's just start reading, then I'm going to hit a few points here and, uh, and try to bring some application to this. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1. When Sambalat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that no gap was left in it, so he had the circumference of the wall completely rebuilt, although he says, though at the time I had not installed the doors of the gate. So get the picture. The walls are built all the way around. No gaps in the wall. The brick and mortar part is done. All right? The gates or the doors have not been installed. They're ready to be installed, but that's where he is on rebuilding the wall at this time. Now, here I want you to see in Nehemiah chapter 6, three different attacks that are in this strategy of Operation Intimidation. You got it? Attack number one. Go ahead and put it on the screen if you will. Attack number one is this. It's personal. Now, we're going to pick up in verses 2 through 4, and here you'll see this personal one-on-one -on -one attack from Sanballat and Geshem to Nehemiah. Let's look and see what it is. In verse number 2, Sanballat and Geshem sent me a message, and they said, Come, let's meet together in the villages of the Ono Valley. But they were planning to harm me. So I sent messengers to them saying, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? Four times. Everybody say that. Four. Four times. The sound man knew that I wanted emphasis on that word, right? Good job. Four times they sent me the same proposal and I gave them the same reply. Okay? So here's what I want you to see. This was a personal letter that Sanballat and Geshem sent to Nehemiah. Now, 
What type of a letter is it? A personal sealed letter. Nobody knows what's in the letter except Sanballat, Geshem, and Nehemiah whenever he opens the letter. Now, what are they requesting him to do? They want a meeting with him. (laughs) Boy, whenever I think about that, I think back through my life. And I've sat in some of those meetings. Have you not? Have you you ever, ever had anybody say, hey, let's go do lunch? And you just think you're going for a friendly lunch? And all of a sudden, you're about halfway through the meal, and they drop this bomb on you, and like, what in, what in the world are you doing? Anybody ever experienced? Am I the only one that's ever experienced anything like that? So now whenever the phone rings, somebody says, hey, you want to go to lunch? I'm like, yes. <laughs> Actually, I need to learn to do what Nehemiah did. You know what Nehemiah did when they said you want to go to lunch and have this meeting? What valley were they going to? You tell me. Tell me. What valley were they going to? It's in your Bible. That's what he said. Oh, no. They were going to go to the Oh, no valley. Are you getting this, guys? Nehemiah says, oh, no. Oh, no. Me no go to Oh, no valley, right? I mean, that's kind of what's going on. I am not going to that valley. Oh, no. Not me. He denied him four different times. That was strategy number one. In this operation intimidation, okay? Personal. Nobody knows about this. Come meet me in the valley. And when they get him off of the wall, out of Jerusalem, into the Ono Valley, their intent was they were going to take, do business and take care of him, right? So he said, no, I'm not going to do that. And then he stayed focused. Now, here's what I want you to get. Two things that take place here, and I'm going to unpack it at the end. Two things that take place. Discernment and focus. Discernment. Trying to discern and understand and comprehend the intent of others. But at the same time, focus on the mission. So here, guys, we all need this. Whenever we're going through life trying to fulfill whatever mission we feel God's calling us to achieve and to fulfill, it's going to be different for all of us. At the end of the day, what's going to be common is that we're doing it for his glory, right? Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all for what? The glory of God, right? So that's the ultimate goal. So whatever we're doing, but let me ask you this. When the distractions and the persecutions and the attacks come and the personal threats come, here's how you overcome that. With discernment, discerning what their intent is, and secondly, staying focused on the mission. If you're going to finish the mission, you must always stay focused on the mission. You cannot allow yourself to get distracted or you'll never finish the mission. Are you with me? So here we see where he said, oh, no. He denied him four times. Oh, no, not going to the valley. And there he says, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. He stayed focused on the mission. So that's strategy number one in Operation Intimidation. What's strategy number two? Strategy number one, personal. Strategy number two, a fifth letter. It's now a public letter for everybody to read and everybody to understand, and everybody to know. And we see that in verse number 5. So look in verse 5 of Nehemiah chapter 6. It says, Sanballat sent me this same message, a fifth. Everybody say fifth. I want you to understand, there's five letters. Four letters sealed. Personal. Sanballat to Nehemiah. Fifth letter, open. Look what it says. Sembalat sent me this same message a fifth time by his aide or his messenger who had an open 
letter in his hand. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think, by chance, the messenger read that letter while he's traveling to get it to Nehemiah? Sure he did. Right? That was the intent. That was the strategy. That everybody now could read this letter. Now, look what's in this fifth letter. It is reported among the nations. They're writing now to Nehemiah. It is reported among the nations, and Geshem agrees, that you and the Jews plan to rebel. This is the reason you're building the wall. According to these reports, you are, you are to become the king, and you've even set up the prophets in Jerusalem to pro- proclaim on your behalf. And there is a king in Judah, and these rumors will be heard by the king. So come, let's confer together. So now what they're doing, they're starting this, this, this open public attack on Nehemiah, and now they're bringing into question his character, his integrity, And now they're starting these rumors and these lies about him. Have you ever had anyone start rumors and lies about you? Sometimes it blows me away what I hear and discover about myself. It really does. I mean, I'll hear some things that have been spread and said about Really? (laughs) They said that? Anybody ever experienced that? Yeah. How do we handle that? I'm going to show you that in Scripture. But I want you to understand... That is a strategy from Satan to try to derail you and get you off the mission that God has called you to live out, to fulfill, and to succeed in. Okay? Listen, we every single one of us can succeed in what God has laid out for us as long as we stay focused on him, we have a spirit of discernment, and we stay focused on the mission. I'm going to show you that here in just a moment. Let me ask you this. What do you think about this? Spreading lies and rumors. I've often heard it said this way. That a rumor about someone, I get around the world seven times before truth gets his boots on. Is that not the truth? Rumors and lies about people, can well, they'll spread like wildfire. And, and, and get around the world seven times before truth gets his boots on. But here's one thing I've learned. I don't have time to go chase down every rumor. I don't, go, I don't have time to go make right every rumor or every lie that's ever been spread on me. I just let it go because here's what I know. At the end of the day, truth will always win. Truth will always prevail. Now, sometimes truth will come out very quick. Sometimes in my personal life, what I've seen, it's taken years before truth finally stuck its head up and came to a reality where people saw the truth. The point is this. If we spend all of our time chasing down the rumors and the lies about us and we try to put out every little wildfire that's been started about us, then you're no longer focused on the mission. Now you're totally distracted and I doubt you'll ever fulfill the mission because you're running around trying to put out all the little fires. I say, hey, as long as they're talking about me, that gives everybody else a rest, right? Amen? Because my focus is not on the rumors. It's not on the lies. I know the man I am. I know the focus I have. I know the character I have. I know the integrity I have. I know the God that I serve. I know what my focus is. I'm focused on that mission. And let the rumors go because I know at the end of the day, truth will always come to the top. Right? So focus on the mission. Have a spirit of discernment. And stay focused on the truth. Proverbs chapter 6. Let me read this scripture to you. Get this. The Lord hates. I know hates is a strong word. And some folks say, well, God doesn't hate anything. He's a God of love. Listen, I am so amazingly thankful that our God is a God of love. 
But he's also a God of wrath. And he's also a God of judgment. And he also hates a few things. Really? Our God hates something? Yeah, he hates some things. Proverbs chapter 6 gives us about seven of those things that God hates. Let's read them real quickly. The Lord hates six things. In fact, seven are detestable to him. Here, Here they go. Here's a list. Arrogant eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that plots wicked schemes, feet eager to run evil, a lying witness who gives false testimony, and one who stirs up trouble among the brothers. Those seven things the Lord hates. And those things go on every single day in the church, in the community, in your careers, on your jobs, in families. Those things take place all the time. Why? Because they are attacks from Satan. That's all they really are. And we have to know them for what they are. We need to be wise, right? We need to be wise to Satan's devices. So that's the public attack. Now, what is Nehemiah's response to this? How did Nehemiah respond to these five letters? Four of them private. The fifth one now is public. Everybody can see the rumors and the lies that are being spread about Nehemiah. What's his response? What would be your response? Would you just want to throw down your Bible, go meet that person face to face, and rip their head off? Sometimes I would. Right? Sometimes that's what rises up in me. Sometimes I just want to rip somebody's face off. You say, but you're the preacher. I'm human, right? And don't tell me you've never felt like doing that. Every single one of us has felt like that from time to time. That's when I discover that I am weak in the spirit and strong in the flesh. Whenever the flesh rises up and I want to literally take somebody's face off, sometimes I think to myself, self, you're so much bigger than them. Just rip their head off and be done with it. Sometimes that thought rises up. You know what that is? That's the flesh. You know what Paul says? I die daily. I must, I must, I must depress or, or, or put down the flesh. I must die daily to the flesh. Right? Whenever I have those thoughts still in my mind that I want to retaliate in some physical way, I realize then, to me, that's an indicator. John, you're getting weak in the spirit and you're getting strong in the flesh. You need something. And what you need is not more of yourself. What you need is less of yourself and a whole lot more of God. Right? And what I'm talking about is this. What was Nehemiah's response to these attacks on this operation intimidation, this personal and this public attack on him? He said in verse 9, the last part of it, But now, my God, strengthen me. That's huge. You need to highlight that. You need to underline that. You need to get a hold of that. Nehemiah realized he had a spirit of discernment. He was focused on the mission, but he knew that he could not withstand this operation intimidation, nor the attack from the outside, nor the attack from the inside, unless he had the strength of the Lord. Wise is the man, wise is the lady that realizes that we all need God, right? If we're going to succeed and we're going to fulfill and finish the mission that God's called us on, we must pray and ask for strength. Now, I gave you about four or so of some very good verses in the Bible that I've used over the years when I realize that I'm getting strong in the flesh 
and weak in the spirit. And by the way, it's a daily battle, right? I mean, emotions run, and Scripture says be angry and sin not, right? So is being angry a sin? That's not an, it's not a sin to be angry. Do we get angry about different things? Sure we do, but we must not sin as a result of the emotion of anger, okay? So what are some things, whenever I find myself getting weak in the, fl- I mean, getting weak in the spirit and strong in the flesh from attacks that may come, how do I handle that? How do we handle that? We must handle it the same way Nehemiah handled it. His response to these first two attacks, God, give me strength. God, give me strength. Look at these verses, if you will. Psalm 27, 14. I love this. Wait on the Lord. Be strong and courageous. Wait on the Lord. Those moments when you want to retaliate, those moments when the flesh rises up and you want to respond, those moments when you're in a conversation and it's getting heated and you have two choices, I'm either going to throw gasoline on the fire or I'm going to throw water on the fire, you need to wait on the Lord, be silent, be strong and courageous, and wait on the Lord. That's what Nehemiah is doing here. He's staying focused on the mission. He's staying on the wall. He knows the attacks are from the outside. He knows the attacks are from the inside. He knows operation intimidation is taking place. He knows he's received those four letters. The fifth one now is public. There's rumors being spread about him. There's lies being spread about him. He stayed focused on the mission. He had a spirit of discernment. He knew what their intent was. And he said, God, give me strength. I don't even believe he looked up. God, give me strength. And guys, whenever you're facing, and I don't know what it is you're going through, and I don't know what hard place you are in life, but I know we all get there, every single one of us. And if you say, oh, I'm spiritual and everything is good in my life and I never have a hard day and I'm never in the valley and I never have attacks against me, then I'll say one of two things. Either one, you're just flat out lying. Or two, you're not living a godly life because the Bible says all that live godly will, shall suffer persecution. Right? So if you tell me you're never persecuted, you just tell me you're not living a godly life. Hello? Are you with the church? We all have hard places. We all have difficult places in life. Every single one of us. There is no life without hardships, okay? It's just part of life. The difference is, as a believer and as a Christian, we have somebody to go to that can fight our battles. The difference is we're not out there left to ourselves. We have God. Greater is He that's in you than he that's in the world. We can pray and we can ask for strength and we can let Him fight the battle while we stay focused on the mission. Amen? That is good stuff. We all get there. Psalm 27, 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong, courageous. Wait for the Lord. Psalm 138, 3. Look at this one. On the day I called, you answered me, and you increased strength within me. One of my favorite prayer verses is Jeremiah 33, 3. And by the way, everybody be much in prayer for, uh, for Gail and for Bruce. And for those that know, Bruce had, uh, had to be airlifted to Springfield Hospital, and he had some very major surgery up there, and and Gail is up there with him, and, and this is Connie's brother, and I think she's with them even this weekend. Uh, is Connie here? Where's, oh, she's in Children's Church. Okay. Uh, we'll be much in prayer for that family. But I was texting and talking to Gail this week, and I sent her this verse. Jeremiah 33, 3. It says, Call unto the Lord, and he will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things, 
which thou knowest not. Man, I love that. That's my prayer verse. Call unto the Lord. That's the practice of prayer. He will answer thee. That's the promise of prayer. He will show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. That's the proof of prayer. And this we see in Psalm 138. On the day I called, you answered. Listen, we have a God in heaven. We call to Him by faith in prayer. He's going to hear and answer our prayers. Now, He may not always answer them the way we want them answered. Right? But He will hear and He will answer our prayers. But here in Psalm 138, the psalmist says, I called unto you and you answered me and you increased strength within me. God, how do you handle operation intimidation? How do you handle the attacks? Focused on the mission. Stay focused on the mission. Have a spirit of discernment. Discern the will and the intent, what's going on, the spirit of others. And then stay focused on the Lord and ask for his strength. Wait on the Lord. Isaiah 38, 35, 3. Strengthen the weak hand. Steady the shaking knees. You ever had shaking knees? You ever had anxiety and fear and trembling over some things? We need to pray and ask God to steady us through all of that. Say to the cowardly, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. Vengeance is coming. God's retribution is coming. He will save you. I love that passage of Scripture. Just turn the battle over to the Lord. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. Amen? Don't feel like you need to go fight those battles. Nehemiah didn't. He stayed focused on the mission. He stayed on the wall. He had a spirit of discernment, focused on the mission, and he prayed for God's strength. Let me give you strategy number or attack number three. One more response and I'm done. Here's the third attack we see in Nehemiah 6. Third attack is this. It's from a prophet. And the prophet's telling Nehemiah, run for your life. Nehemiah's a wise guy. Nehemiah has studied the Scripture. As soon as those words fell off the lips of this so-called prophet, he knew he was listening to a false prophet. Why? Because he had a spirit of discernment and because he leaned and understood the Word of God. Guys, that's our baseline. We must know the Word of God or we're going to fall for every whim and wham that's preached out there. And just because somebody's dressed up on Sunday morning in a Cam Newton jersey or not, right, and the Bible under their hand doesn't mean they're rightly dividing or proclaiming the Word of God. And just because they have a TV ministry, just because they have a massive following, doesn't mean they're preaching and rightly dividing the entire Word of God. What I'm telling you is search the Scripture. The Bereans, it says in the book of Acts, were more noble than all the others because they searched the Scripture to be sure that Paul was teaching them was the Word of God. I challenge you, search the Scriptures. Don't take it just face value what I say because I'm the pastor. Check what I say and be sure it's backed up with Scripture. And I try to give you chapter and verse with every teachings that I share with you so it can be backed up with Scripture, right? So search the Scripture. Nehemiah knew the Scripture. I'm getting ahead of myself. Look at here, if you will, in verse number 10. I went to the house of Shemaiah, and he said, this is the prophet, let us meet at the house of God instead of the, inside the temple, and let us shut the temple doors, because they're coming to kill you. They're coming to kill you tonight. This prophet is saying, Nehemiah, get off the wall. Run. They're coming to kill you. Nehemiah has a choice. Listen to what this prophet's saying. Or keep focused on the mission, rebuilding the wall. Nehemiah had a spirit of discernment. 
and he knew what this prophet was telling him was incorrect. He knew that it was wrong because you actually can go down into Numbers chapter 18 and verse 7. And it says, any unauthorized person who comes near the sanctuary will be put to death. Nehemiah knew that he could not run and hide in the temple. He knew that it was a ploy just to have him destroyed. Matter of fact, look, if you will, in verse number 11. Here's his response. Nehemiah's response. But I said, should a man like me run away? How can I enter the temple and live? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him because of the prophecy that he spoke against me. Nehemiah discerned, according to Scripture, this guy was telling him a false message that did not line up with the Word of God. And the only way Nehemiah knew that is because he knew the Word of God. You get the point? Get it? Good. Okay. Verse 13. He says... He was hired, or actually, look at the latter part of verse 12. I realized that God had not sent him because of the prophecy he spoke against me. Tobiah, get this, Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. And he was hired so I would be intimidated, do as he suggested, sin, and get a bad reputation in order that they would discredit me. But Nehemiah stayed focused on the wall. He knew that that was a false prophet from the Lord. He knew the message did not line up with the word of God. So he totally ignored him. At the end of the day, here's what I want you to get. And I'm done. Actually, band, you can come on up because I'm done. I'm going to hit this last point and be done. How in the world did Nehemiah have this discernment? How did he know what to do? And how could we have this spirit of discernment? Two things to me that stick out in this passage of Scripture. Nehemiah's discernment and how he was able to process all the attacks and his focus on the mission. He didn't let anything distract him. And we see in Scripture that in 52 days, record-breaking time, he rebuilt the walls. But only because of his discernment and his focus on the mission. So how do we have discernment? So here's what I want you to get. The key to discernment is this. We must lean on the word of God. The key to discernment is lean on the word of God. So the question I must ask, are you in God's word? Do you know God's word? Are you applying God's word? Are you meditating on God's word? Are you memorizing God's word? Because without the Word of God, I'll just listen to whatever messenger is speaking to me. And I won't know if they're leading me the right way or the wrong way. And I will find myself distracted. I'll find myself not having a spirit of discernment, not knowing if they're for me or against me, not knowing if it's going to help me or not. I'll no longer be focused on the mission. And therefore, I'm not going to succeed. I'm going to be a failure. At the end of the day, an ultimate failure. Because we do not know the Word of God. Nehemiah, how'd you do it? How'd you discern all the attacks? How'd you do that? He leaned leaned on the Word of God and he asked God for strength. Leaned on the Word of God and asked God for strength. Now, I don't know where you are today, but here's the application part. When you walk out that door, I want you to do two things. 
And I don't know what hard place you're in in life. And I don't know what decisions you're having to make. And I don't know what mission you're on. But let me encourage you, have discernment, stay focused on the mission. And the only way you can do that is to pray and ask for God to strengthen you and lean on the Word of God. That's the two things. When you walk out this door, facing whatever task, whatever difficult place it is that you must be in right now or may be in right now, the two things I want you to do, turn to God, ask for His strength, and dig into His Word. Seek the answers from the Word of God. Seek direction from the Word of God. God speaks to us every single day. One of the primary ways that God speaks to us is through His Word. And if we're not in His Word every day, it's going to be difficult to hear the voice of God and get direction. Nehemiah was successful, rebuilt the wall in 52 days because he leaned on the Lord for strength and he leaned into the Word of God for direction. Guys, that's what you take with you today. Trusting in the Lord for strength, asking for strength, and I gave you the verses, four, there's many, and then dig into His Word and get your direction from the Word of God. Let's start with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And and where you begin in this whole process, it's not in deciding that you're going to be a religious person. Listen, guys, religion really won't do anything but just aggravate you. What every single one of us need, myself included, is not to be a religious person. What every single one of us need is to have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. We all need that. So my question to you, do you know Him? Do you know Christ as your Savior? If you're here today and you've never accepted Christ, my prayer is going to be, and I'm not going to ask you to lift your hand. I'm not going to ask you to walk forward. I'm not going to draw any attention to you whatsoever. But right now, sitting exactly where you are right now, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, right now, will you give Him your life? Will you just admit that you're a sinner just like we're all a sinner, that we've all sinned? That Jesus loves us enough that He died on the cross for our sins? The Scripture says in Isaiah 53 that God the Father laid on Him, Jesus, the iniquity, the sins of us all. We've all been redeemed at Calvary, but it only takes place when we repent of our sins, trust in the finished work of Calvary, and ask Christ to be our Savior. He died, He was buried, He resurrected after three days. Today He's seated by the right hand of God the Father. There He's making intercession for every single one of us. He loves you. He loves all of us. Will you give your heart to Him right now? Father... For those that are praying, all of this begins with a relationship with you. And right now, I just pray for that individual. That right now, they just confess their sin to you and just acknowledge that they're sinful and ask for your forgiveness. Believe you're the Son of God. You lived a sinless life. You died. You were buried. You rose again. You are the Son of God. You are our Redeemer. We give you our life. We repent of our sins. We plead and ask for your forgiveness and for your grace and your mercy. And may when you look on us, you now don't see us in our flesh. You see us clothed in the righteousness of your Son, the Lord Jesus. Maybe you've done that already, but you 
you're just not where you need to be. Maybe now is the time just to rededicate, recommit your life to the Lord. Father, I pray for that one right now. Help them now just to call on your name and rededicate their life to you. We thank you for that one. Lord, we all find our place in difficult or find ourselves in difficult places with different attacks, whether they're from the outside, whether they're from the inside, or whether it's the intimidation factor. God, help us to have a spirit of discernment. Help us to stay focused on the mission. Help us to, to plead and ask for strength that only comes from you. Help us to dig deeply into the Word of God to find answers. Help us to succeed in the mission you've laid before all of us. Bless this congregation. May we leave here today praying and asking for your strength. And may we leave here today leaning on the Word of God so we'll have direction. That's what Nehemiah did. That's what we must do. In Jesus' name we pray. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.